0: Blaze Radio presents Heat Check. Is the time, a better line, line. That-
1: All right, welcome into Heat Check. We have a uh, shorter crew tonight, just me and Scott Sanduli, Riley Swenson with you, and Scott, like I mentioned, and today is a special podcast. We have our college basketball season preview for you. And we're filming this on Sunday night, so games will start tomorrow. And, uh, and then when that happens, we will sleep in May. So, Scott, glad to be with you here. We're slap, missing Kevin and Ryan. But...
0: Slap the
1: floors. I am fired up for this one, Diesel. Absolutely. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go through and give our All-American teams, our final four, just give you kind of a broad look at college basketball. And then we'll get into conference by conference. Our plan is to talk 15 minutes about each conference, so if you're looking for a specific conference that we're talking about, once that starts, you can go in 15-minute increments on the pod. And so we'll start with the ACC, go to the Big East, then we'll go Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, and finish up with the SEC. And the last thing we'll talk about is the mid-majors, because there's some really good mid-majors this year that we would be fools not to at least touch on. So, without further ado, I'll start with my... My first team, All-American, we'll just give, uh, we all did three uh, teams of All-Americans, but for the sake of the show, we'll just do our first team. So I have Caleb Love, of course, Tar Hill guy, but even putting my fandom mm-hmm. to the side, I think uh, he showed some stuff in the tournament last year that's really encouraging. And he was a five-star recruit coming in. People forget that. And we always talk about freshman guards become sophomore guards well. Now he's a junior yeah. guard, and I think uh, he'll be really good. And then from there, I go with the, yeah, the big man. I really, got Trace wait, hold Jackson on. Hold Davis. On, hold, on. hold on one second, Riley.
0: Yeah. Other than Caleb Love, we have the exact same first team.
1: This so, is true. So I'll, you I'll let you explain Caleb your Love. other guy, and then I'll list the rest that we have. Yep.
0: So – Riley had Caleb Love as, as his lone guard, and uh, my lone guard is Marcus Sasser from Houston. Lost him to injury earlier in the year, did the Cougars, but um, if they had had him healthy, I genuinely think they had they beat Arizona without him. If Marcus Sasser, who is a do-it-all point guard, does he's such a great playmaker. If Houston had him, they would have been in the Final Four, and they might have been the ones facing North Carolina for a championship. So Marcus yeah. Sasser is in my first team. Other than that, the rest of the way, me and Riley all agree on Trish Jackson Davis out of Indiana, Drew Timmy coming back at Gonzaga, the reigning National Player of the Year Oscar Shibwe, and another Tar Heel beast in Armando Baycott.
1: Yeah, and uh, Scott has and TJD as his endpoint, and uh, I, I have indeed. Drew
0: Timmy. I think uh, Mr. Jackson. I think Mr. Jackson Davis is the feature player on a team on a top fifteen team in the country in Indiana. I like Mike Woodson as a coach. I think he's going to use TJD a lot on the offensive end, and we already know what he can do on the defensive end. I think he's primed for a massive, massive year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mine is Drew Timmy. I think it's just inevitable. I think the guy's got to win one before he heads out of college. And uh, Oscar Sheboy, a little bit of a note there. He's had some knee procedures. No one's really talking about that much. So that could be a big change in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of the National Player of the Year race. That could open things up a lot for other guys. I had Marcus Sasser on my second team as you had Caleb love on your second team. So both of us with those guys right there, but yeah, those are our first team all Americans and uh, Kevin didn't put his all Americans in the dock, but um, Mm. Ryan with a combination of both uh, Scott and eyes, then he has one different. He has Marcus Sasser, Oscar Shibwe, Drew Timmy, Armando Bay cup. Then he threw in Hunter Dickinson. Of course, the big man from Michigan,
0: that was an interesting one by Ryan, but it's such a Ryan pick, I think. It makes so much sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. And then moving on, personally, for my final four, obviously, I got the Tar Heels in there. Um, that's Those are my guys. And I think the experience from last year, they, they, lo- they lose Brady Manick, but bringing in Pete Nance is huge. And I think they're going to have some freshmen from last year make some steps. And Seth Tremble, a freshman coming in this year, would be perfect, I think, to back up. Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. So uh, I don't think it'll be the Iron Five like we saw last year from UNC. We'll get to them more in the ACC preview, but then I got Gonzaga and Houston, both in my Final Four, a couple of mid-majors there that aren't really mid-majors. Gonzaga, yeah. they, seem, they do this kind of every year. They're always highly ranked, and some people would argue that this isn't even their best team, which I'd probably have to agree with, but I think they mm-hmm. have the nice mix of veteran leadership, a guy who can do it all, and Drew Timmy and some guards that can flat out play now with Salas and uh Nolan Hickman both coming back for your number two and then rounding out that uh that final four I have Kentucky um it's not just wave for them uh, I really like uh their their freshman in Livingston and Cason Wallace and then they've got of course Severe Wheeler coming back he can run the point kind of be that distributor for them but I think and they also uh Jacob Toppin, Obi Toppin's younger brother. We kind of saw flashes of it last year. I think it's going to be a breakout year for him. Maybe SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He's a lengthy wing. And like I said, Houston, they have Tremont Mark, Jamal Shedd, and Marcus Sasser, that three-headed monster. You combine that with uh, the freshman, Jarius Walker, and they're going to be tough to beat. So that's my final four. Scott, if you want to go ahead with yours. So I personally don't pick a final
0: four until the brackets come out because to me it's all about who you got to go through. So instead of giving a final four, I'm going to give who I think are the four best teams in the country. All right, fair enough. That makes sense because whenever I try to pick a final four, I get zero right. So I pretty much agree with you on three of them, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Houston. I think those are three of the best teams in the country almost consistently every single year. And you touched on every point I would have hit. And it's hard to think for me, Gonzaga last year, last year was Mark Few's best team in my opinion better than the 2021 team that almost went undefeated and they got knocked out in the sweet 16. So it's hard to believe that he's going to make it any further with, without Chet Holmgren than he did just because Chet Holmgren was like a generational type talent for college basketball levels. And he might even be for the professional levels. They have a good back back backcourt, Like you said, with Nolan Hickman, I'm a big fan of Julian there. obviously drew Timmy coming back, but I personally just like more of what Baylor's got than what Gonzaga does, ironically, since they took a national championship from him. But I think Keontae George has freshman of the year potential. Flagler and Cryer, two outstanding players. Scott Drew coaches his butt off. I think Baylor is a better team than Gonzaga so far this year. But obviously, that's not my final four picks. Gonzaga could absolutely make the final four But for me, it's all about who you got to go through to get there and the matchups that you're going to have. So I don't like to make my final four picks like that, but those are my four best teams coming into the season,
1: I think. You know what, Scott? That's fair. We should preface that because I hate when people ask for a final four. I always tell them you can't pick one until the matchups. It's very different than the other sports where at the start of the year. In college football, it doesn't matter the matchups. You can say, I think this team is the best. Where In basketball, it just depends on the matchups, like you said. Uh, if you had Absolutely. to pick a national champion, though, right now, I have Carolina. They're they're my guys. I also just think that they have the combined leadership and talent this year. They've been there before. We've seen what happens when they lose in a heartbreaking fashion in a national championship, what happens the next year. Not saying it's going to happen again because that's very unlikely, but I just think they have the best tools right now. Who, who do you got, Scott?
0: It's a tough
1: one, but
0: uh... – I want to ride the baby blue train with you, but uh, uh, Kelvin Sampson's so good as a coach. Marcus Sasser's an absolute beast. Tremont Mark as well. Houston is so deep. They're going to stack up a lot of wins in the American Conference, and they play a very good non-conference schedule as well. I I think nobody's going to be more ready for the tournament, I feel like, than Houston with the way Kelvin Sampson gets his teams prepared. So I think Houston is the best suited team to to win a national championship. I don't think they're the most talented, but I don't think the most talented team wins a national championship every year. So if I had to make
1: a pick right now, it would be Houston. Well, and I feel like for a lot of people, they know about Houston basketball because of what they do in March, but it's not always, they don't get always the high level recruits, but they have that this year. They have Jairus Walker, who's a guy comes in very highly talented recruit that could be, just what they need to go along with those guys. So that's kind of our national preview. But now we will start our conference by conference. We'll start with the ACC. We got 15 minutes on the clock, Scott, try and keep this short and sweet for everyone that wants to hear about their conference. Maybe they want to hear about the whole thing. So looking Mm -hmm. at the ACC as a whole, it's pretty much UNC and Duke, and then kind of a little bit of a drop off. Virginia should be pretty solid. Yes. So Uh, we've we've seen it a lot, the UNC and Duke and everybody else, but, I think Virginia's got a solid team. I think Miami's got a very solid team too. Absolutely. Yeah. Miami with uh, Nigel Pack transferring that could be interesting. It could and, be uh, the most impactful transfer of the offseason. He definitely I could. He, he really definitely did. could. But uh yeah, North Carolina at the top there. They uh obviously I know the most about them because those are that's that's my team, but yep. That, that starting five of Davis, Love, and then Leaky Black, Pete Nance, and Armando Baycott, I, that, that's, there's no five in the country, I think, that I'd rather have on the floor just because what Davis and Love give you with both being a point guard by trade, but then both of them kind of having to learn how to play off the ball, it just gives you a couple of outlets every time you rebalance a team that is going to rebound the ball very well. It's what North Carolina has always done. They have Armando Baycott to do that for them. And then what I love about this team, though, and why I'm so excited about them is because A, they've played together a ton. And so they kind of know their roles. Everyone understands what they need to do to win. And they have a guy in Leaky Black who can turn off the water for someone's best score. And I think that could yeah, be the difference. My thing
0: with Leaky Black is he played his butt off defensively in the tournament. But the kind of, if he can have some sort of an offensive jump, that just makes the Tar Heels that much more dangerous and that much harder to guard because we know what Caleb Love and R.J. Davis can do in the backcourt. They're the best backcourt in the country, in my opinion. Armando Bacow is a force down low, an absolute beast on both ends. We know what Pete Nance brings in. He's a <clears throat> excuse me, good shooter, a lot of offense. But if Leaky Black can develop his game into two ways, Carolina might – I don't want to say a team's unstoppable, but they might be pretty darn close to it. and. Looking at the rest of the ACC, it's just no one returns this much talent like North Carolina does. And Hubert Davis showed a lot of people how good of a coach he was last year. Duke's got a brand new coach, and they always have a pretty new roster. We're not 100% sure what we're going to see out of Virginia and Miami yet. And the rest of the conference is just a big question mark in itself. So it is North Carolina's conference to lose, in my opinion, considering how they closed out last year and how much talent they brought back.
1: Oh absolutely, absolutely. And I think leaky Black could make that uh that push there on the offensive side, but I, I, at times I don't know if they necessarily need him to. Um, mm-hmm. I think that he it's kind of just his thing is to play defense and when when the time comes, be an offensive threat. I think the biggest thing is it's not necessarily even scoring. It's just, being able to at least be somewhat of a threat on the offensive end. Doesn't have to be he's going out there and scoring 10-15 a night. But just that way when Leaky Black gets the ball, it's not, oh, we can seg off and everyone take a break. Yeah, for real. But then moving on in the ACC, I'd love to talk about Duke. Obviously, it's going to be a major change without Coach K. We talked about that a lot last year. People know how Heat Check feels about Coach K. They know my personal feelings on him. <laughs> and it's a it's a new era in Blue Devil basketball with John Shire at the helm, but also. A whole bunch of new guys they got Jeremy Roach and then a bunch of guys who uh who've never put on the blue devil uniform before. Very uh, true. They- and they bring in a ton
0: of talent too. This is this is a Duke recruiting class. Derek Whitehead, whenever he returns from energy. Uh Derek Lively, also. I really like the Jacob Grandison transfer. He's a really good shooter. I think that's a really underrated pickup. But like I said, it's North Carolina's conference to lose. And Duke is under a first-year head coach in John Shire now. It's not like John Sire's some bum off the street. This is Mike Shashevsky's heir apparent. He's going to be a good coach, at least we think. And this is Duke. They're not going to hire a guy if they don't think he's good. So I expect Duke to be very good, ranked all year. But it's just, like I've said, they are a tier below North Carolina with just how, like I said, North Carolina just has that continuity. They have that almost the entire starting five excuse me from last year and Duke it's a new lineup every year and no one knew how to manage that kind of turnover like coach K we don't know how John Shire can can handle that
1: yeah and I feel like we've seen this kind of formula before and outside of really 2012 Kentucky which that team was just ridiculously loaded we've talked about it before on this show the whole idea of just getting these one and done guys in coming in and dominating it works in the regular season. There's no doubt about that. And uh, you can go, you can even go undefeated in the regular season, but in the tournament, it's just a whole different animal. And so I don't know if we're really going to find out about this Duke team until March, which kind of seems to be the story each year for them and Kentucky and those squads. They get the one and done's. But there's no doubt they have, uh, they probably have the most talent, just raw talent in the ACC. It's just going to yeah. be about if the, how well they can play together. I personally don't think Jeremy Roach is. Is as good as advertised. Uh, I'm seeing him. I'm seeing his name a lot all over a bunch of preseason award lists. And I've seen uh, pretty much every ACC first team. I've seen Jeremy Roach's name. Yeah, and I just don't know if he's done enough to prove that he is one of those good point guards in college basketball. He's solid, but it's not. I feel like people want to compare him almost to Quinn Cook that year, where they had Tyus Jones and Jahlil Okafor and won the national championship. I think it's a little different than that though. I don't know if Jeremy Roach is going to be able to lead that team like like an L like a like a, like a Quinn Cook. So that'll be uh it'll be very interesting to see how they play early in the season. I think there could be some growing pains. But also when we get into March, John Shire's first ever March Madness at the helm. It could it could be it could be fun? They they could they're gonna be very talented. Anything
0: can happen once the calendar turns
1: to March, man. Anything can happen. But it feels like recently we've seen the the whole one and done thing. It's still a thing, but even Kentucky last year, they went more to the transfer portal than necessarily the freshman. And Duke did a decent job of that, but their 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 transfers aren't the best transfer is Jacob Grandison. don't get me wrong, he's a good player, but he's not gonna be Oscar Shibuy like like Kentucky had.
0: He's not the kind of guy that will transform your team. He's certainly going to help with how good of a shooter he is, and he brings some defense too, but he's not going to take Duke. I don't think he's going to be the difference between Duke making the final four and missing it.
1: Yeah, and then the third team people are talking about kind of in that top tier of the ACC, I would put them in a tier down, would be Virginia. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have Kihei Clark still for his 12th year, it seems like. Tony Bennett, great coach. But then they got a guy in uh, the projected starting five is Kihei Clark, Reese Beekman, Armand Franklin, Jaden Gardner, and Caden Shedrick. So an experienced group for sure. I really like Reese Beekman. He came on at the end of last year. He's a he's a top-notch defender. It's going to be, I think, either him or uh, Leaky Black for ACC Defender of the Year or Defensive Player of the Year, I should say. We know our good friend Gabe Swartz doesn't like the Virginia hype. Uh, he doesn't quite understand it. Has on the uh, – I'm reading the college hoops today, Um, the the Rothstein 45, and it says key loss is Igor Milicic. So shout out Peyton Gallagher. We know how well that went last year, his preseason ACC player of the year. But Virginia is always going to be good. It's just kind of they're always going to be around.
0: As long as Tony Bennett is the coach of that team, they are going to be good. They are going to be at least – last year was just an underperformance. It happens. Where you have those kind of down years, especially at a school like Virginia, that's not necessarily a blue blood, but is also a very respectable program. So they have they have a good team. Kie Clark is a is a is a good point guard, although he's a little undersized, but he plays well. He plays above his size, and they have they have guys that fit their roles. in Reese Beekman, like you said, Armand Franklin, Jaden Gardner, and it's a team that plays always plays great defense. We know Virginia is going to play great defense because of how good Tony Bennett is. But outside of Keha Clark, what kind of offense are they going to be able to generate? And that's going to be the big question. So it's Virginia and Miami, I think, that are going to be right there for the third best team in the ACC. But it's just, and Virginia has the defense. Miami has the
1: offense. so it's it's a real it's an interesting balance for sure. And talking about that Miami team is a perfect segue that our next team on the list. And uh, like we said, Nig- mm-hmm. Nigel Pack transfer in there. They return Isaiah Wong. Then it's a lot of guys that are really unproven. Um, you know, they got Jordan Miller, Anthony Walker in that kind of uh, – in that starting five. And so it's pretty much going to be the guards for Miami. As when we saw them make a run at the tournament last year, But they lose Chuck Moore, they lose McGusty, they lose Wartenberg. And that's going to be a whole new look now uh, down Those there in tough. Miami. Those are tough guys to replace, especially since
0: Wartenberg was – their premier defensive presence. And he was long. He was like 6'11 or something. And now he's gone. Cameron Mcgusty, your three-level scorer gone. Charlie Moore, obviously, the facilitator of the offense as well. But we know how good Isaiah Wong is. He practically beat Auburn almost by himself. And Nigel Pack is probably, I, I don't know if it's the most important transfer of the, of the summer, but certainly up there. He is. He was first team all Big 12, the best league in the year last year in the country last year. So Miami's got the the backcourt talent. It's not North Carolina good, but it's very, very good. And it's just going to rely on what else is going to come from the front court and on defense to get that team elevated. So they have the potential to be very good, to probably make a run like they did last year, but it's just are they going to have to score 80 points a
1: night to do it? Yeah, that's it's definitely going to be a high-scoring offense for them. Uh, another team people are talking about in the ACC is uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, it's kind of the same formula. It seems like each year for Virginia Tech, it's a bunch of experienced guys, but it's not always if they can uh, – they don't always put it together. But they have a transfer, Grant Basile, from Wright State. He uh, was very good down the stretch for them last year. Uh, Sean Padula, Hunter Couture will be playing the guard spots, and they still got Darius Maddox and Justin Mutz, but they lose Kevin Aluma, Nahima Lean, and Storm Murphy. Those are the big guys gone – and Kevayaluma Heemaline, was a tough one baby. go going, going to UConn. That's big. Yes, yeah, we'll they, to lose, later, they lose but. their guy in and Aluma, And I think it's going to be the, uh, the, the tried and true story of Virginia Tech. It's going to be maybe – and they might – last year they snuck in because they won the ACC tournament. It might be a 10 or 11 seed. I don't think a very far run in the tournament for them. They just don't have um, enough guys it seems like each year. They always have a couple that are decent but just never quite enough.
0: Yeah, the ACC is just really deep with decent teams that are like could make the tournament but could miss it, and um, we'll see. You'll we'll see the viewers will see in the preseason bracketology that'll go up tomorrow. Virginia Tech is not included, and it's just because the ACC is such a deep league. And Virginia Tech, actually, excuse me, Virginia Tech is included. My apologies, but Virginia Tech is good, but it's like how much better are they than Notre Dame or Florida State? Because, like, if you ask me, it's Notre Dame, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and you can even loop in Syracuse in that li- in that group right there. That probably has the talent to make the tournament, but are they going to use it to get there?
1: Yeah, and Scott, you mentioned the bracketology. We just got a few minutes left here on the ACC. We're going to try and stick to that fifteen minutes the best we can. Uh, Team well, like Florida. Good. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say Florida State in or out.
0: Um. Right now
1: and in. in all right and Notre Dame is
0: not bracketology rac- is not yet finalized. I'm gonna go through it later tonight a little bit before we
1: release it, but four states in Notre Dame is like last four in, I would say. Last four in. I mean Nate, Nate Lashevsky and Dan Goodwin. It feels like those guys have been there forever too. Seems like that might be a common cool. theme is uh with yeah. the with the COVID year, those years really seem to be adding up now. There's gonna be players who uh, they seem like they've been there forever. But before we finish up the ACC, any other teams you'd like to touch on? I know we only got through about half the conference, but.
0: Eh, that's all you really need when it comes to the ACC. I mean, it's not like Georgia Tech, Pitt, or Boston College are going to give you much. Louisville lost to a Division II school in a scrimmage. I know it's a scrimmage. That's still pathetic. And Wake Forest without uh, Alondas, I don't see them being much of a threat. And, uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. I am. I'm very intrigued by what Syracuse gives us this year, though, because they're always like that team that you never want to overlook because of the zone and how much they shoot the ball. So
1: Syracuse is a team to keep an eye on, I would say. All right, Scott, give us your ACC player of the year if you had to pick right now. Armando (laughs) Baycott. I I like the way you think, Scott. I like the way you think. I was going to go there as well. Uh, he sh- he should have won it last year, if uh, if you ask me, and he got uh, mm-hmm. he got he got jipped off. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that will wrap up our ACC yeah. preview. And so moving on to from my conference to Scott's conference, we have the Big East, which yes, seems sir. to be maybe a little bit down this year compared to usual years. You don't think so, Scott? Huh?
0: I I disagree with you. I mean, the Big East is never going to have the kind of talent that an ACC or a Big 12 or a Big 10 has, but this league is going to be cutthroat this year. There is, I mean, everyone's talking about Creighton as the best team in the league, and rightfully so, but when you get past Creighton, it is a bloodbath. The Big East is going to be must-see television this year, if you ask me. Might be a little biased, but... The Big East is going to be very fun because Creighton has an unbelievable team with a ton, a ton of talent. Arthur Kaluma was really starting to take that jump at the end of the year last year. He's coming back. You look, you look elsewhere. Ryan Kalkbrenner, in my opinion, is the best big man in the Big East. He is a force both on offense and defense. If he doesn't get hurt, I firmly believe they knock out Kansas. Sorry, Gabe Swartz in the tournament last year. And Ryan Nemhard, I think he's better than his brother Andrew Nemhard. That who went to Gonzaga was their point guard last year for Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy. But Ryan is an absolute stud. He zips up and down that court so quickly. And Greg McDermott is a great crunch time coach. I think Creighton is the team to beat in the conference for sure. Villanova in the first year without Jay Wright, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be some growing pains. That it's going to take them a little bit to get into a rhythm. With Cam Whitmore, the top, the top freshman really of the conference hurt to start the year. Uh Justin Moore still out. Kyle Neptune, obviously, in his first days as the at the helm of the Wildcats. It might take a little bit, but I think they'll get themselves going and they'll eventually be the second best team in the conference by season's end. Uh, then right after them is my huskies, UConn. Uh, they got an interesting team this year. They lost so, so much from last year with uh RJ Cole and Isaiah Whaley, two of their two of the program staples, Tyrese Martin as well, but uh, they still have some talent. Adam Asinogo is the unanimous Big East player of the year, which uh, kind of surprises me as a UConn fan because he's showed some weaknesses last year, but uh, Andre Jackson, hopefully he's been able to take that leap in basketball skill set. We know how good of an athlete he is. Jordan Hawkins is one of the most popular breakout candidates in the country as a six-seven shooting guard, so UConn definitely has the talent to be right there with Villanova, but Since UConn rejoined the Big East, Dan Hurley is 0-6 against Creighton. So I don't think they're going to upend the Blue Jays for the conference's top dog. But they gave Villanova very very good games last year uh, three times. So I think UConn and Villanova go hand-in-hand right there for second. Xavier's got another good team. Uh, Jack Nungy, absolute beast. And a Sean Miller coach team is always a dangerous one. Providence lost so so much from last year. I think they're gonna go. They're gonna come back down to earth, unfortunately. But Seton Hall with Shaheen Holloway, there are some very interesting new coaches in this league this year. With Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall and uh, Sean Miller at Xavier, I think it's the second year. But and Kyle Neptune and Villanova, so it's a cutthroat league. I other than Creighton, any other than Creighton winning the league and Georgetown being last,
1: I, literally anything can happen in this league this year. Well, and with Creighton, I think a player that uh, you—I noticed you didn't mention—that I think could be the the most important player. I don't—I don't know if he'll be the best player,
0: but the most important yeah. would be ba- yeah.
1: Baylor Shireman. Exactly. Yeah. So shout out! Uh, shout out! Shout out! South Dakota State, where my mom went to school. But the transfer from SDSU, he's he's like a six-eight point guard, pretty much, and he won't mm-hmm. be playing the point because they'll have Nemard running the point for them. But Shireman, it it, it just a matchup nightmare. And if you put him on the court with Kaluma and Kulkbein, that's just going to be a lot of guys with a lot of size. And I I don't know how you match up with that necessarily. It is hard to, for
0: sure. And with the way that Greg McDermott gets the best out of his players. But the thing with Baylor Shireman is he got his taste of Big East basketball when they met Providence in the first round and he got shut down. So I'm not, it might take him a little bit to adjust to the big boy league, but, uh, He'll get there eventually with what everyone's saying about him, the film I've watched on him. But like I said, this is Creighton's conference to lose just because if Villanova – if Jay Wright not retired, obviously you can't count out Jay Wright. But with the fact that Villanova's got a first-year head coach, uh, Justin Morris hurt, Cam Whitmore's hurt, it's just I could see them getting off to a slow enough start that Creighton could take advantage of it. And Like I said, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding UConn and how how much they're going to be able to replace from last year. Uh, the same goes with Xavier. The same goes with Seton Hall and, and, St. John's has another has a decent team coming into this year. They could be knocking on a tournament appearance as well, but no guarantees of that with Andre Curbelo on that team, but it's, it's an interesting conference for sure. And like it's the big East is always, it's always fun to watch. It's always, it's always physical and it's no longer just Villanova's league anymore. Like it has been for so long.
1: Oh, I am. Uh, I'm glad you said that, Scott. I am not sold on Villanova at all. In fact, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried for them, and I'm worried almost. I will not say I'm worried for college basketball, but they've been so good for so long. And the the thing about Villanova is that they weren't that great until Jay Wright got there. You know, I think people kind of get these ideas that these programs have always been good, and that's just not always the case. And no. Villanova. Is definitely one of those situations, and the same can kind of be said for Duke in a sense. But Duke is Duke now. So I'm not worried about them, but the, just this team in specific too. They're I'm worried about their big guys, especially in this conference. It seems like every team that you've mentioned at the top of this conference has a big guy. You got Brenner at Creighton, Nunji at Xavier, and Sonogo, of course, at UConn. Mm-hmm. Villanova, their big guy is Eric Dixon, and he plays bigger than he is. I'd Eric. Add, if I'm as a, as a fan of a team with a really good big guy in Baycott, mm-hmm. I would go into games. I'm not worried about Eric Dixon, you know, ruining a game for me. I feel like my bigs are probably gonna have their way with him. And so they're even gonna have to find another guy with some size, maybe even some more size. But it seemed like last year, too. Anytime Eric Dixon had to go to the bench with some foul trouble, he's a very good player and he's He's a weapon they can use on the offensive side of the ball because he's able to work so well in that pick and roll game and he's mobile and on the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball. I think they're either gonna have to go zone or figure out some way just to get him away from matching up six, ten guys down in the post and trying to go one on one.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Villanova early on in the season just because of like there's so much there's gonna be a lot different without Jay Wright. And Eric Dixon is not like the Kalkbrenners Brenners and the Sonogos and the Crosswells. Villanova is the one of the upper echelon teams of the Big East that doesn't have an upper echelon big man. So, and from watching it last year, Sonogo owned Eric Dixon in the paint when UConn played Villanova. And I can only imagine what it was like with Kalkbrenner Brenner as well. And he's like six foot eight. So he's not standing up to those kind of to the seven-footers that these kind of guys are. And with Villanova Villanova having injuries. Caleb Daniels is a great player. I think he's going to be just fine being the feature player for the start of the season, but Eric Dixon cannot be the best big man on a team. That's going to win a conference in my opinion. And like you said, Villanova before Jay Wright hadn't had much success. Yes. 1985 happened, but it, it was never a consistent program before Jay Wright. And are we going to see that kind of tail off? I don't think so, just because of how big of a brand Villanova has become. It's the premier Big East basketball place to go to, and they're still going to be good. They're still going to make the tournament. They'll still be ranked, I think, most of the year. But it's not going to be Villanova that we know. It's I doubt they I don't know how much Kyle Neptune is going to keep the, the the three and D kind of approach that Jay Wright liked to run. So it. I am very intrigued to watch Villanova. They might be the most intriguing team of the year just because of they have, the, they have talent. They, there's no disputing that. And this has been their league for as long as we can remember. But now it's a new coach. Is there a new system? And do they have the talent necessary to run it?
1: Yeah, and the guy I, that outside of Eric Dixon, I think is going to be the key to their success is Brandon Slater, where last year he was kind of yep. talked about a lot as, you know, the big athletic wing that has a lot of upside. Well, this year they're going to need him – to show that upside and it, they're going to need him to play well. I think he's going to be a guy they lean on, especially like you said at the start of the year with those injuries of those guys being out, he's going to be very important. And then looking at Xavier, like you had mentioned, it's going to be
0: Fremantle they bring, and
1: Nungy. They're, they're going to be big. They,
0: yeah. They bring a lot back from last year in a team that lost like nine of its last 11 games. But before that was almost on Providence level of, of like a five seed. They were a very good team before they fell off the, fell off a cliff. And Xavier, like you said, Nunji, Fremantle, they are big, and they are tough to stop. And they're a very well-coached team. Sean Miller, we know what he did at Arizona for so many years back in the day. And Xavier is a ver- another interesting team for sure. But going back to Villanova, Brandon Slater is an absolute stud. I'm glad you mentioned him. He is a very athletic player. He can shoot the three ball really well. He basically beat UConn by himself in the Big East semifinal off shooting the three ball last year. And he's a great defender with how athletic he is, how long he is, how quick he is. And Villanova, they have the talent, like I said. It's just are they going to be able to put together under a new coach? And like, like I was saying earlier, it's Creighton, Villanova, UConn, maybe Xavier, then everyone else in the Big East.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm right there with you with that, and a team I think that could jump into that kind of upper epsilon like you talked about might be Seton Hall, uh, where we talked about the new coach, Rasheen Holloway, obviously unproven. What he did with St. Peter's last year was remarkable, where it'll be fun to see if that was just a one-time thing. They have they got a guard who I really love to watch play in Kadari Richmond, where he's big, physical, he's kind of the new... The new wave of guards, where they're not these small little guys anymore to try and dribble around you. They're big six four, you know, powerful guys that can go to the rim. If he can develop a shot, that that could be big for Seton Hall. They they lose Jared Roden, one of one of their studs, which is going to suck. They lose Miles Kale, Bryce Aiken. I think he's going to have to be the catalyst for Seton Hall, and Seton Hall might be kind of that last team with Xavier, UConn, Villanova, Providence, kind of that gets talked about in the big East as being a real contender mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe St. John's, I guess too. I'd toss them in there with Corbello and Posh Alexander. Mm-hmm. They might be all right, but of course they lose a uh, champagne. And that's gonna, that's gonna definitely be something different to get used to. For yeah, St. John's.
0: But going back to Seton Hall, Qadari Richmond is a, he's a very good guard. He's really quick. He's got a good shot. And uh, then bringing over Casey and Defo, I thought he was, I thought he was just as important as Doug Eddard last year in Saint Saint Peter's run to the Elite Eight. So bringing him along to Seaton Hall, he's a perfect Big East kind of player, and I hope to I hope to see him in their starting lineup. And Sheen Hall, and he's done less, he's done more with less. So you can't you can't forget about Seaton Hall, in my opinion. But like you said, Jerry Roden's gone, Miles kale has gone, Bryce Aiken's gone, Ike Obiagu's gone. Those are four starters. So I don't know how how Seaton Hall is going to come out of the gates. And with how tough the Big East can get in February, I'm not sure what's gonna happen with the Pirates, but they have they have a nice squad and a physical one that's not gonna be a pushover
1: for sure. Yeah, I think most people see this league as kind of a six or seven bid league with St. John's maybe in that last team in there. And then like the teams we have talked about. But on the outside looking in, I'd say right now it'd be Butler, Marquette, Georgetown, and DePaul to round it off. We wouldn't be doing our due diligence. We didn't mention our our fellow show member. Kevin Malader's, uh beloved DePaul, but they lose uh, Javon Freeman-Liberty, and <laughs> that's pretty much what their team was last year.
0: Meaning they, lo- meaning they lose everything. So, yeah, uh, yeah DePaul, DePaul, Georgetown, and Butler are not tournament teams at all, much like last year. But Marquette, you can't count out a Shaka Smart Coach team, in my opinion. But they lost a lot from last year. I don't know what they really did to supplement it. And when they played the top tier of the Big East, they were not – too great i mean they got villanova in december but that was like their only real win in the conference i know uconn swept them i know creighton swept them so marquette i don't see them having a better year than last year and last year they got killed by 30 points in the in the first round so i don't think the golden eagles are in line for a tournament bid but like i said shaka smart is a very experienced coach so you can never really count it out but this is definitely a league that can send a handful of teams to the tournament for sure. Creighton, Villanova, UConn, Xavier. I think those are definitely absolute locks. St. John's is also in that consideration as well. Uh, you can also look to, uh, what is it? Who am I forgetting? Providence. Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Am I forgetting? Providence. Eh, I don't know. They lost a ton. A ton from last year. Jared Bynum's back. Ed Crosswell's back. Pretty much nobody else's. Nate Watson, Justin Mania, Nora Horkler, A.J. Reeves, and Al Durham all leaving. It, it, it's hard to think they're going to be able to replace all that. I mean, we we know what happened with them last year how they got lucky so much, but they just got so good at winning close games. They took the national champions to the wire in the Sweet 16. So Ed Cooley's a good coach. He gets the best out of his guys. He motivates them better than anyone. But I just don't see the talent there for Providence to really break through a conference that's going to be tough. They have five teams, at least, that are going to end up in March. And I just don't know if just Jared Jared Bynum is the only regular starter that's back. I mean, Ed Crosswell got decent minutes, and he played pretty well when he got the chance. But it's just I don't see how Providence can overcome losing so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Scott, before we move on to our next conference, why don't you go ahead and give me your uh, preseason player of the year. And then uh, we didn't do this for the ACC, but I think it's obviously we were both going to pick North Carolina based on what we had said. Uh, but give me your your conference winner and your preseason player of the year for the for the Big East.
0: Well, my conference winner is pretty obvious. I'm going to go Creighton. Uh, like I said, Villanova, I think, is going to have some growing pains. UConn is a big question mark. Creighton brings back everybody. So I think the Blue Jays are going to pretty much run away with the Big East. Uh, player of the year, I know a lot of the media is going, my guy Adam Asinogo, but I don't know. I need to see him play before I can think he's gotten better from last year where he started to play timid. He's still scared to dunk the ball for some reason. And he is a great defensive player and a physical. He's a tank, but I'm going to go with, uh, I think I'm going to end up going with uh, Ryan Nemhardt, Creighton. I think he's just an outstanding all around point guard, plays above his size, he's got a great shot, plays really good perimeter defense. So, I'm gonna go with uh, Ryan Nemhardt as my biggest preseason player of
1: the year. All right, all right, I'm gonna go with Creighton to win the conference. Uh, like you, like we've been saying, they've just got, I think, too much talent and then looking at player of the year, it's, it's kind of tough in this conference. Like you said, Sonogo has been getting a lot of the attention. Uh, you look at the guys on Creighton, they got the most talent. I'm going to go with Baylor Shireman. Uh, I think, like I'd say, huh? yeah, mat- matchup nightmare for him. I think it'd be cool uh, to win back-to-back conference players of the year, but in a different conference. So it might be a little bit of a stretch there because I don't know if he'll be necessarily the catalyst on that team. The guy who's taking all the shots. But I think it might be kind of an award, not so much looking at the points, rebounds, assists, which I think he can thrive in all three. That's what makes him so great, but also just kind of the eye test of what he brings to the team. So that was our Big East preview. We'll move on to one of the more difficult conferences, I'd say, to break down in the Big Ten. It seems like every year they've got a ton of teams that are pretty good, and everyone can agree on that, but they just lack the tournament success. It's been kind of year in, year out, and at the start, of kind of their run of dominance it was you know all the big 10 can't win the tournament but now it's really starting to actually become a thing as the big 10 doesn't always win in the tournament so we'll start with in the big 10 uh the team that most people are taking to win the big 10 that would be indiana Uh, they Mm -hmm. have scott's preseason player of the year in trace jackson davis he looks to be really good they have the highest ranked freshman in jalen hood Shafino. And then, what my favorite part about this team is, though, is what they have in Miller Cop and Race Thompson, which I think the three headed monster of Cop, Thompson, and Jackson Davis, that's the best front court probably in college basketball just because think, of how dynamic they are.
0: Yeah, for sure. And my big caveat on Indiana is other than Rob Fenice and Parker Stewart, they bring back literally everybody, literally everybody on a team that. One, a tournament game, a playing game, albeit a team that should not have been in the playing tournament, by the way. But Trish Jackson Davis, he is my pick for offensive, excuse me, national player of the year. He led the Hoosiers in nearly every major offensive statistical category last season. And the Hoosiers returned seven of their nine top scorers last year. Mike Wilson got the ninth ranked class in the country, according to 247 Sports. Uh, like you said about TJD and race Thompson, I think that's one of the best front courts in the country, but on both sides of the floor, uh, bringing in CJ Gunn, a shooting guard from Indianapolis. He led the class in three pointers. He's an absolute beast, a knockdown shooter that Indiana could use after losing Rob Finisi, Caleb Banks and Malik Raynow. two very long guys that are going to help sustain that front court preference presence when TJD and Johnson and Thompson are on the bench. I think the Hoosiers are the deepest team in the Big Ten, and I think in the Big Ten that's going to go a long way. So I do have the Hoosiers as my best team in the Big Ten, just because, and like I've said about Trace Jackson Davis, I think that's the national player of the year. Michigan's got a good squad coming in too. Hunter Dickinson is right there with TJD as the best big man in the country, along with Oscar Chiba, Drew Timmy, and others. But uh, I'm a really big believer in Illinois this year. I think uh, Matthew Meyer might be the score of the transfer portal. He was key to Baylor last year and everything they were doing as they got in as a one seed. His three-point shooting and defensive prowess at his height and his length is incredible. So I think Indiana and Illinois are going to go hand-in-hand, really, for the conference title all year. Michigan's right there. And uh, I'm really conflicted. I don't know about you, but I'm really
1: conflicted on Purdue coming into this season. Yeah, they're gonna. it's going to be a very different looking team, of course, without uh, Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams. Uh, to get through this conference in 15 minutes, we probably can't go in depth into every team as we'd like. So we'd apologize for that. But going back to Indiana, like you had said, they got some freshmen on that front line. I think that might be where they find their downfall, though, is I don't know if they have the depth up front. Those three guys, like I mentioned, are really good. I think their guards are going to be good enough, and Xavier Johnson, Hood Shafino, and then Trey Galloway and Jordan Geronimo off the bench. I think they'll be good enough to uh, to complement that front court. The depth in the front court, I think, might if you had to pick one thing about that team. And then like with you, I'm very big on Illinois this year. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm big on what they did in terms of getting new guys to come in. Uh, and so what I mean by that is they brought in freshmen. And Sky Clark, of course, committed to Kentucky, reclassified. Now he's going to Illinois. He he, he has the tools to be the best point guard in the conference, really. I mean, it's a conference that isn't going to have, you know, a a great guard showing night in and night out. Mm -hmm. He definitely could be that guy. And then they bring in Terrence Shannon and, of course, Matthew Meyer. Terrence Shannon is a phenomenal pickup as well. He was one of the best players on a
0: Texas Tech team that got to the Sweet 16 and almost took out Duke. He is a two-way threat, a phenomenal perimeter. He defends all three levels. He's the perfect guy to have back there with Sky Clark, who's such a dynamic offensive force. Where Terrence Shannon can just focus on that perimeter defense and just shoot his threes. That is a very that's a backcourt that goes really hand in hand together with Sky Clark and Terrence Shannon. I talked about Matthew Meyer replacing Kofi Coburn's presence down low. Is it possible? But Coleman Hawkins, he's a, he's a decent big man. I think he'll do. I think he'll do his fair share of work. But Illinois is going to transition from being the dump it into Kofi team to a much more perimeter laden team with Sky Clark, Terrence Shannon, and Matthew Meyer. I think they might be chucking up a lot of threes
1: this year. Oh, I, th- I think they're going to have to. If they can't. They definitely cannot play like they have uh, in years past, but I think it'll be fun to see. They're going to be a completely different looking team. I think they got their their top five guys in terms of. Clark, Shannon, Melendez, Hawkins, and Meyer. Those five can probably play with anyone. It's going to be the depth. I don't know if they have a lot of guys. I can't really even name any key bench players just off the top of my head. I'm sure if you put a roster mm-hmm. in front of me, I'd be able to tell you some guys. But that well, that's kind of
0: – Sorry, I'll give you one right now. And Jaden Epps, a very athletic guy who's going to be able to give them some points off the bench. But it's reminding me a lot of the North Carolina team from last year where they will only be playing five or six guys that can really help. So Illinois is a very thin team, but I think they
1: have the starting lineup to make some noise, in my opinion. And looking at Michigan, and uh, they're going to have Hunter Dickinson, obviously very, very good. Uh, definitely going to be in the conversation for Big Ten Player of the Year. And then they got a bunch of unproven guys really after that. Uh, Terrence Williams was pretty solid for them last year they got uh juan howard's son jet howard kobe Bufkin coming back other than that though i mean it, it's a legit uh, even including those guys it's just a lot of unproven and uh, yes. joey baker joey baker's transferring in uh finally got out of the hell hole that is duke so good for him we applaud him for okay. that michigan i, I don't know it, the, Hunter dickinson has the tools to be to carry that team but It's, it's just a lot of uh, a lot of uh, unsure and a lot of uncertainty right now for Michigan.
0: It's a wait and see project for sure. It's a wait and see project. We know we get in Hunter Dickinson, but we don't know everywhere else. What is jet Howard? We don't really know. And Jalen Llewellyn, we've heard really high, high praise for him. And he beat if he can beat out Frankie Collins for starting point guard position, he's gotta be pretty good, but practice is different than a game. And Joey Baker is an interesting ad. I think he gave Duke some three some sparks off the bench at times. I'm interested to see if he gets an elevated role in Ann Arbor. But I don't think this is the best team in the big ten. I believe Illinois is better than Michigan for sure. Michigan is at best the third best team in the conference. But with just one player like Hunter Dickinson, then a bunch of unprovens, like you said, it's a big question mark. I don't we don't know what to expect from Michigan. I,
1: I think Michigan is closer to the conversation of being the fourth or fifth best team in the conference than they are the best team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think for the sure. next, these next three teams I'd like to talk about, I'd love to talk about Ohio State, Purdue, and Michigan State, and what those teams bring to the table. Ohio State gets the transfer, Isaiah Likely, from uh, Oklahoma State. They get Sean McNeil from West Virginia. They get Justice mm-hmm. Suing back, and then Zed Key at the center with Bruce Thornton at uh, point guard, and they're projected uh, starting five to start the year. They, of course, lose E.J. Liddell. They lose Kyle Young. They lose Malachi Branham. They, they, they lost a lot of good players. Michi Johnson's gone, but I like what they brought in. And Justice Suing was out last year due to injury. He, he can't, the, the return of him can't be understated. I love Sean McNeil. Uh, he, he's not afraid to get the ball up, he's not afraid to shoot. Anytime you surround athletes with shooters, it usually goes well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Sean McNeil was a big part of a West Virginia team last year that they didn't make the tournament, but Sean McNeil was one of their bright spots, probably their second best player. Uh, Zed Key is an interesting commodity at center. He's a really big fellow who can play really physical, but I don't know how consistent he can be. Isaiah Likely, he was also a very good guard, especially with Cade Cunningham. He played really well for those Oklahoma State teams. And he's a dog. He is a competitor. He's not, he's a guy that's not going to give up on a game at all. But like you said, EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham, that that's really, really tough to overcome. And I just don't know what the Buckeyes really give in, ter- in terms of the basketball court. I mean, yes, they have a program tradition, obviously at Ohio state, but it's not like the Michigans. It's not like the Illinois. It's not like the Indiana's like, this isn't one of the most prestigious basketball programs in the Big Ten. They're not going to attract a lot of big names, and I don't think they really did that this year. So, my jury's out on Ohio State. they I think there's a tournament team in there, but there's not a tournament win in there.
1: Oh yeah, I, I think that I think they're they're uh, they're probably pretty safely a tournament team as long as they don't have any awful losses in the non-con and uh, take care of business where they're supposed to.
0: We saw them taper off. Last year in February, they went from like a, they went from like a five seed maybe down to a seven. Yeah, they beat Loyola Chicago, but then got handed to them against Villanova. I just don't know how good Ohio State is going to be this year when last year's team, in my mind, was significantly better, and they barely got a first round win out of it. So,
1: this is true. We talk about you just talked about the tradition of basketball schools. Uh, moving on to Purdue, who we had touched on a little bit. But they're going to have a complete turnover last year. They're ranked, obviously, for the first time, number one in the country. And they mm-hmm. lose Jaden Ivey, Eric Hunter, Stefanovic, Isaiah Thompson, and Travion Williams. And those are five guys. Th- that might be the team that lost the most from last year. Those are five guys that played a lot of minutes for that team.
0: And, it seemed,
1: like, yeah, and it seemed like they might have missed their window in terms of either, of making a Final Four and maybe winning a national championship. Mm. Uh, that team had talent they had size and now this year they still have zach Eady, and he's going to be a beast down low yeah. but what made zach Eady so great is that they couldn't just focus on him you know Trayvon williams would come in kind of take off the load where now he's going to be that feature guy and he's still seven yeah. foot four and he's still really talented but i just don't know if brandon newman ethan morton and mason gillis and, and throw caleb first in there provide yeah. enough enough uh Comfort outside of Zach Eady for that team.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of this Purdue team is going to be so much easier to defend than it was last year because there is no perimeter threat like Jaden Ivey and there's no front court man like Tra- Travion Williams. So teams are going to be able to pretty much double Zach Eady on every single possession and play a triangle the rest of the floor because we don't know what the kind of shooting they're going to get out of David Jenkins and Brandon Newman. But Mason Gillis is a good player. He's no Travion Williams, but he's going to be serviceable down there with Zach Eady. But this Purdue team, I think things could go really, really south, because like you said, they missed their window. 2019 with Carson Edwards, they got hot at the right time, and maybe one lucky balance away from knocking Virginia out and getting themselves to the Final Four. And then last year was probably Purdue's most talented team they've had in school history, and they lost to a fifteen seed. So I think the time has come and gone for the Boilermakers. They'll still be a de- good team, like, any team that doesn't have capable front court is going to get bullied by Zach Eady. So there's, they'll still be a solid squad. It's just they are a much more easier squad to defend. I think there's going to be some, uh, some struggling points for Purdue throughout the season. And I think it's going to be too much for them to overcome as they come through the conference season. Caleb first is a very good six man to come off the bench. But like you said, they lost their shooter and Sasha St- Stefanovic. This, this team just it lost way too much from last year to be anywhere near the top tier of the Big
1: Ten, let alone the country. And then my my dark horse for the conference would be Michigan State. Um, I love I love what they have this year. Uh, some experienced guards, Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard, and then Jaden Akins. and then to go alongside Malik Hall and Joey Hauser. Uh, the biggest question mark for them is going to be that front court in a league that's dominated by good front courts. Can the guard play make up for it? We'll wait and see. And I don't, you don't have time to dive into every team now down the stretch here in the Big Ten. But I'd love to tell the people, Scott, listen to this stretch they go through in November. So they start oh, off with okay. Northern Arizona tomorrow night, Monday night at home, good for them. Then they play Gonzaga, the first big game of college basketball, really, Friday night on the uh, the aircraft carrier. Can't wait. Then they play Kentucky, Villanova. Alabama in the Phil Knight tournament, where they'll play two more games in that tournament, probably against some ranked teams. That's and then they It's also and they, got like Oregon, UConn, UNC. Those are, yep, those are teams in there. And then they go to Notre Dame. Then that, that's their month of November.
0: No one has a non conference schedule like the Spartans this year. I was going to get to that for sure. And Tom Izzo gets his teams ready. I mean, he, he loves giving them this kind of challenge. And we saw them take Coach K. They gave him a scare there in the second round last year. They lost a lot. Uh, Marcus Bingham, their true big guy down low. Max Christie, their real facilitator and scorer, as well as Gabe Brown. But uh, like you said, Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard, that is a very good backcourt. Uh, they, they can do a lot of stuff, I feel like. And Joey Hauser and Matty Sissoko, I think that's that's those are two really good players you can add in there as well. We've seen the Spartans like their scrappy kind of team. They always fight and claw. They're never out of a game. And with them playing this kind of schedule early on, I think that could really, really benefit them as the season goes on and they get into Big Ten play. It's a tournament team for sure, and they could be one of those teams that, that strength of schedule is what maybe elevates them a seed line or and they go on a little bit, bit of a run. But Tom Izzo is still a very good coach, in my opinion, and he's got he's got workable guys here. So the Spartans are a very interesting team. I agree with the dark horse take. They could be very good. But uh, we don't know. I think it's a it's a high floor, but a higher ceiling. Uh, I,
1: I am excited for the
0: Spartans team.
1: And just kind of rounding out the conference, you look at a team like Iowa. They lose, of course, Keegan Murray, uh, but they got his twin brother, Chris Murray, still there. He he should be pretty good. They have the McCaffrey brothers still. Tony Perkins. That'll be kind of a, a wait and see thing, maybe to see how they fill in for Keegan Murray. Uh, if you know one thing, though, um, Chris Murray would probably take a lot of shots. Iowa loves to just get one guy the ball and him go to work. We saw it with Luka Garza, South Keegan Murray. It'll probably be the same thing. Uh, Rutgers, they should be, I think, probably on the bubble. I would have them as in. Uh, looking at Wisconsin, they lose Johnny Davis, but they still have Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell.
0: Greg Gard is one of those kind of coaches that does more with less. So Wisconsin is still going to be. A decent team. They're not going to be Wisconsin last year, but there's still no. There's still going to be a very tough, tough team in the Big Ten for teams to contend with for sure. I like, I like Greg Gard as a coach. I think he's one of the most underrated ones in the country. I think he'll have these Badgers kind of where, almost like the the Nigel Hayes Badgers were, like the nine, ten seed, pretty much.
1: And then you got Maryland, where Kevin Willard left the the Big East for. Uh, they should be solid, maybe on the bubble. And then kind of the bottom feeders in the conference like we've been accustomed to will be Penn State, my Golden Gophers from my home state of Minnesota, Northwestern, and then Nebraska, who has a lot of things to figure out. In a lot of sports. Absolutely. So that will round up the Big Ten. Scott, give us your player of the year and your pick to win the conference.
0: Well, my national player of the year is in this conference, so I think he should be my conference player of the year. So Trace Jackson Davis will be my choice there. And uh, my conference champions will be uh, – I'm going to go with Indiana. This is T- Trace Jackson Davis is Indiana. I think Mike Woodson showed a lot of flashes of what he can be as a coach last year. They beat Purdue. They beat. They got themselves to the tournament. They have a very good player in Trace Jackson Davis, some good supporting cast, some good Thompson. I'm going to go Indiana to win the conference, but Illinois, Michigan State, keep an eye on those guys to give them a run for their money. It's going to be a very interesting conference in the Big Ten. Yeah, Scott, this
1: will be the first time we really differ, I guess, in terms of our picks. Uh, I'm going to take Illinois to win the conference. Uh, I like what they have in terms of experience and coaching. And uh, I think if Illinois is going to win the conference, uh, I although I have TJD on my first team All-American, I'll, I'll switch things up here for the people. I'm going to go TJ Shannon to uh, win Big Ten uh, Player of the Year. Once again, kind of a stretch like Baylor Shireman, because I don't know if he's going to get the numbers as some of those big guys in the Big Ten where they just get fed the ball down well. But I think what he can do on the defensive end along with the offensive end is what makes him so great. So that was our Big Ten season preview. And we'll move right along to the conference that we – have heard a lot about in the big 12 Uh, Gabe Swartz, of course, leaving us. So maybe not as much of the big 12 propaganda moving forward, but (laughs) they, they obviously had the returning national champions at Kansas. They have Baylor who has turned into a college basketball powerhouse. They're always going to be good. Texas, a team with a lot of upside and we saw last year with all the transfers, they're back. They should be really good. Texas tech. They lose TJ Shannon TCU, they they're forming into a basketball school, and then kind of from there, I'd say that's kind of the top tier-ish. Yeah, to make a cutoff, and then it gets to the Oklahomas. And I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll start with the top, of course. And I think the top would have to be Kansas. They've earned that right to be talked about first.
0: You gotta start with the defending national champions for sure. Uh very steady. Team that you always know where you're going to get out of them every year. Bill Self is probably the best coach in the country. And this Kansas team, I can't remember when they were below a four seed in the NCAA tournament. And they lost a good handful of guys from last year Ochag Agbaji, David McCormick, and Christian Brown. Program staples gone. Their spark plug and Remy Martin also gone. But they got the replacements. Dewan Harris, he showed a lot of potential at times last year. Uh, Jalen Wilson, we know what he can do an athletic beast at forward, bringing in Kevin McCuller, one of the best team players on a Texas tech team last year is also huge for their defensive presence and possible freshman of the year, Grady Dick from everything I've seen preseason, this kid is the real deal. And they're really excited about him up in Lawrence and Jay Hawks got a squad and no one, no one works better with a squad than bill self does. So this is a Kansas team that you can't forget about for sure but right there with them the Baylor Bears I absolutely love this Baylor team LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler it might be the best backcourt in the country right there with North Carolina Keontae George I don't know if he was the number 1 recruit but he's certainly up there he is an absolute stud can do it all on the wings Flo Thamba and Jonathan Chachua down low these guys these guys they don't have they don't have a weakness that I can really poke at honestly other than losing Matthew Meyer, they, you lose a little bit of defense and, and scoring, but you almost get that back with Langston Love. This Baylor team is outstanding. Scott Drew can coach his butt off. These Bears are going to be very, very good in 2022.
1: Yeah, and the Big 12 is a conference I think people um, i have always recognized it being a good one, but what they might not have realized, they've sent a team to each of the last four, Final Fours with Kansas in 22. Baylor, of course, won it all in 21. In 2020, there was no tournament. If you ask Gabe Swartz, though, Kansas would have won it all. So they mm-hmm. would have probably made it. But then in 2019, Texas Tech, and then 2018, Kansas making it again. So the very impressive track record for this conference. Uh, Kansas is going to be really good. Uh, Bill Self is suspended to start the year. And um, that could make a difference early on he is suspended oh, was it four Duke games? Game? Yeah, four games. So he'll be out for the Duke game in the Champions Classic, which will be big. I would have loved to see seen him coach against John Shire. would have been fun. But they have, like you said, Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, big-time transfer in Kevin McCuller. And it's not even just that it helps Kansas, but also he transferred from in the conference from Texas Tech. And so it's kind of a double whammy there, taking away what would have been probably their best player. Yeah, for I- sure. I see a couple of holes in this team, though. Like you said, they lose Remy Martin, they lose Abaji, McCormick, and Brown. And where I think they might struggle, Dwan Harris is a pretty good defensive guard. I don't know how solid he's going to be on the offensive end.
0: Yeah, outside of Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson, I'm not totally sure where their offense is going to come from.
1: McCuller McCuller can score. McCuller can score,
0: but he has he didn't he never really took over. At Texas Tech and put a team on, put the team on his back when nobody was scoring. We saw Texas Tech go on spells for like eight minutes where they would score five points last year. Yeah, and so we don't know if Bill Self's unlocked the offensive side of Kevin McCuller yet. And when they face a good defensive team, that's going to be able to face up with Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson, the Jayhawks might have some trouble. So they they're going to need someone to step up off the bench, probably KJ Adams or
1: Ernest Uday. Well, goes, the wings. The wings are elite. There's no doubt. Dick Wilson that's and McCuller; those are that's probably the best yeah. wings in college basketball. If you had to take Absolutely. a group Definitely. of three, but it's the it's the guards yeah. and the bigs. And a year where every team it seems that's a contender, pretty much has a big guy. Yep. It, it, it could be tough rolling out Zach Clements and KJ Adams, MJ Rice and Ernest Uday when they're they're probably not uh, the cream of the crop in terms of bigs and. So- they, they scrimmaged Illinois in the preseason, and from everything I saw from that, the big struggled like people predicted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But moving on to Baylor, I'm before sick of talking. We
0: go, before we go to Baylor real quick, I do want to add, though, Bill self-developed Yudoka Azubuki and developed David McCormick. This is true. So, Kansas, they have the potential to develop Zach Clements for sure, but we don't know what he's going to be like. I don't. We don't know what kind of development plan that's going to be.
1: And I should mention, don't forget about Joseph Yesafu, the transfer from Drake. Never got really a chance last year, but now he'll have his time to shine. But I'm just kind of sick of talking about Kansas. It seemed like we did that a lot last year. It could mm-hmm. switch to North Carolina this year, being how good they're going to be. So I apologize. Oh, but we'll UConn. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but Baylor, looking at them, it's it's kind of their formula now of they have – these big guys down low, we saw in their national championship team, it was Mark Vital and Flo Thombas would play on that national championship team. They have experienced guards who are really talented LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler. And then they've kind of had a couple of freshmen each year. Last year it was Sohan and Kendall Brown. This year, Keontae George comes in, a guy that didn't get to play last year because he tore his ACL, Langston Love. And so Langston Love, I think. I don't know how much he's going to play coming back. I don't know what percent he's going to be at, but he should be really solid. And just top to bottom, this Baylor team, kind of like Scott said, not a ton of weaknesses. And so the experienced guards, I think, are going to make a massive difference with uh, Cryer and Flagler. Those are two guys who can shoot the ball very well and not just shoot the ball very well, but also run a team. And and you talk about, I listened to the podcast of Pardon My Take, couple weeks ago and scott drew talked about the big 12 of the gauntlet yep, and you you need you need these experienced guys to come in and be able to run a team like that
0: and that's what they got in crier and flagler and thamba exactly. chachua this is a team that's been here this i i've been a big fan of scott drew ever since he brought this program pretty much from nothing the bears are a st- unbelievable team this year Like I said, there's not really many holes for me to pick out other than losing the 3 and D of Matthew Meyer. So the Bears are, are studly for sure. But I don't think anyone in the world is higher on the TCU Horned Frogs than I am moving on to TCU. Mike Miles is a stud. And this team that came from three points from eliminating Arizona, the number two team in the country that lost three games last year, they lost... Two players, neither of which were really too impactful. These Horn Frogs are back with almost everybody, and they can they are a ridiculous defensive team. They are so quick and so agile. I love this TCU team. I think there's the sky is the limit for the Horn Frogs. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, I like TCU a lot as well. Mike Miles, like you said, the do-it-all guard. Chuck O'Bannon, a good uh, role player, Eddie Lampkin down low. He's solid. Yeah, like you said, they they didn't lose a lot of guys. And I had just mentioned how Baylor, going to that gauntlet of the Big 12, they have experience. Well, TCU has that as well. And that's going to be key for them. And it's a team that doesn't have a lot of tradition of being uh, a basketball uh, powerhouse, if you will. And they're not used to playing with the Kansas and the Baylors of the Big 12. But I think this year they're, they're going to need to get used to it, and that's where they'll be. It's gonna be they're going to be near the top of the conference, and it's going to be a conference as a whole that's really fun to watch night in, night out, because it seems like there's going to be top 20, top 15 matchups pretty much every week when you look at the conference top to bottom. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Scott. TCU is really good, another team in the state of Texas, that I really like is Texas the Longhorns uh brand new arena this year they lose a decent amount in Marcus Carr Andrew Jones Trey Mitchell uh Courtney Ramey uh, they lose Devin Askew I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing for them uh but they what they have they brought in and actually I I, I lied. I think Marcus Carr is back. His car is back. I just looked yeah. that up because I was a little skeptical
0: myself. But yeah, yeah, Marcus Carr is back. Tyrese Hunter coming over from Iowa State, a team that won two tournament games last year. Uh, Timmy Allen's a really good forward. His brothers, I still hate his brother, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Christian Bishop down low is one of the more underrated big men in the country. They have a fantastic starting five here in Texas. Uh, Chris Beard is a great defensive coach we saw what he did Texas Tech and he's gotten this Texas team now to the tournament where they I don't want to say they held Purdue in check but they kept up with them and that was not easy with Purdue's last Purdue last year and I think this team is only better from last year I think the Longhorns are right there up there there are four teams in my opinion that can win the Big 12 it's Texas, TCU, Kansas, and Baylor it is probably the most top heavy conference there is. And there are a lot, there are plenty of good teams here, plenty of good coaches. And uh, I'm really intrigued by Texas. I've always, ever since Texas tech made that final four run, I've had my eyes on Chris Beard a lot. Uh, I wish UConn, I wish UConn's Kevin Olley situation lasted a little longer. So maybe Chris Beard can end up in stores because other than Danny Hurley, he's probably my favorite coach in the country. But like I've said, man, this is a tough, tough conference, but no one knows it better than Chris Beard. He came up with Texas Tech. Now he's over at Texas, and he's got a very good team here. I like Brock Cunningham off the bench, Sir Jabari Rice as well. The, these Longhorns got a squad.
1: Well, and sanction to a quick sanction here to John Rothstein. He has Marcus Carr listed in their key losses and their starting lineup. So I was oh. just reading the list, and then might I be the like,
0: only time John Rothstein's ever gotten a sanction. Yeah.
1: I know, and so I was like, "That doesn't seem right." Marcus Carr's back. But yeah, they bring in Tyrese Hunter, really good player. I saw him play in Milwaukee last year. He was at that uh, that March Madness site with Texas on the opposite side of the bracket, but they also have freshman Dylan Mitchell, who is really, really, really good, and that can't be uh, that can't be understated how good he is, and kind of like some of the teams I've talked before that I really like in terms of bringing in transfers and freshmen and kind of molding that all together. Well, this team is, has exactly that. Marcus Carr was a transfer. Now he's experienced. Christian Bishop, Bishop, Timmy Allen were transfers. Now they've had a year under their belt there at Texas. You bring in a transfer in Tyrese Hunter, and you bring in a freshman in Dylan Mitchell. And then, like you said, Brock Cunningham, Dylan DeSue off the bench, Jabari Rice. They're, they're going to be really good. And we'll yeah, stay man. actually in the state of Texas and move on to Texas Tech. Uh, that that loss, like we talked about, of uh, McCullough really hurt them. Uh, they they also lost Bryson Williams, uh, Terrence Shannon. We've talked about both of those guys. Uh, Donna's Arms, Marcus Santos Silva. So it's going to be a very different looking team this year. But pretty they have. Much, Kev- pretty much everybody but Kevin O'Banner, as you were just getting. Yeah, Kevin. They, they have gone. Kevin O'Banner. Yeah,
0: pretty much everyone but Kevin O'Banner is gone. And Mark Adams is a phenomenal defensive coach, but I don't know how much of that is really attributed to the team he had last year. And now it's almost all gone. Texas tech is probably the biggest question mark of the big 12, just because we saw last year, how much they struggled to score at points. And now this team is worse offensively than it was last year. So I don't know what we're going to see out of the red Raiders on the scoring side, but if Mark Adams is the defensive coach, he's been billed to be, they're still going to be that team that's allowing 50, 60 points a game. And that got them a three seed last year, but they were also able to, able to score in in points when it mattered. We don't know if we're going to get that from Texas Tech. Prop easily the biggest question mark of the Big 12 for me, maybe even in the whole country.
1: Well, and they bring in Fardaz Imac from Utah Valley, who, of course, had a very good year last year. He was up there in the nation in terms of scoring and rebounding, but he's going to be out for pretty much half the season they announced. Yeah. And so you never really know what that's going to be like. And that's a big loss for them. And then rounding out the Big 12, as we kind of wrap up here, like we talked about the Oklahoma schools, they looking like they might be uh, tournament teams. uh, Oklahoma, maybe more so than Oklahoma State. Uh, They bring in Grant Shurfield, who's really good. Uh, They return Tanner Groves. So that's going to be important for them. Oklahoma State should be okay. They're kind of going to be right on that bubble. And then rounding out the conference, Iowa State, of course, losing Tyrese Hunter. Yeah. The kind of the, the, kind of the same thing there with McCuller. They lose into an in-conference foe, and then uh, West Virginia and Kansas State. I uh, I don't have any real uh, expectations for them. They 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 might surprise me. Bob Huggins a really good coach, so you never know with West Virginia. And Kansas State loses their best player. Yeah. Idle Pack was pretty much their team last year. But now they got Gabe Schwartz on the beat there, so you never know. He's, he's doing sporting some- for him, so you never know.
0: Yeah, for sure,
1: for sure. Scott, you- give me your. Uh, Whenever you get a reporter like that, it's definitely a plus
0: five in win shares.
1: I would say. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So Scott, give me your, your, uh, your pick to win on your preseason player. Um, I told you how much I've loved
0: TCU T- in Texas, but uh, they're two teams that are relatively. New to being back on the frontal stage, but this is one that's been years. the one I'm gonna pick a team like I said, it's had that's very little very little holes, very hard to poke at. I'll go Baylor to win the conference just because I don't believe really that repeat champions happen too much, no matter how good Kansas is. but like I said, I think Baylor's just a more complete team this time around. And uh, my conference player of the year is probably uh, I'm gonna go Mike Miles. From uh, TCU, I think he's really got the keys to that team, a team that's going to be a top 15 squad in the country. Uh, I was thinking Jalen Wilson for a while, but after seeing what Grady Dick has done thus far, it looks like he's going to be sharing the load over there in Kansas. But Mike Miles, the Horned Frogs are his team. So I'll go with Mr. Miles to win preseason player of the year
1: in the Big 12. Uh, I'm also going to go with Baylor to uh, win the conference. And I'm going to take uh, Adam Flagler from Baylor. Uh, it's a guard that's really solid. He's proven it in the Big 12 before. He can really shoot it and get to the rim. And I think um, I'm a big proponent of if a team's going to win the conference, they probably more than likely uh, have the best player in the conference on their team.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: So that was our Big 12 coverage. And so we're making our way through this pretty pretty good, actually, Scott. We've, uh, we're moving right along here. Yep. And we'll move on to the, the conference where we are a part of now, yep. uh, the Pac-12. And uh, it's a conference where Arizona lost a lot. And so they, um, of course, dominated the conference last year. UCLA looks to be really good again. Uh, you got a team in Oregon getting Will Richardson back. He's, co- he's returning for them. That's going to be massive. And got a few teams in there. And uh, you don't really know what's going to happen, you know, and, and kind of like our Arizona State Sun Devils, you don't you don't really know until uh, till they play the games.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, coming into the Pac-12, uh, it's pretty easy for me. It's probably the most clear cut of the Power Six conferences. It's UCLA and everybody else. Uh, we don't Arizona had so, so much talent last year. I don't know if we really got a full evaluation of Tommy Lloyd as a head coach, but we know what Mick Cronin brings, and this UCLA team brings back a decent amount from last year, from the last couple of years where they have made a Final Four run and they went to the Sweet 16. Tiger Campbell, he really he struggled a lot in the regular season last year, but rounded into form as the season came along, and he he almost he pretty much won the Akron game by himself in the first round last year. He was a big part of that team towards the end of the season. Jaime Hawkes is coming back is huge. I think he's uh probably their best player best player this year is a three and d kind of guy who can play both the three and the four uh losing your top scorer in johnny juzang is tough but they replace him right away with amari bailey one of the top recruits in the country who does pretty much everything that johnny juzang did uh jalen clark and adem bono round out that starting lineup is really and that's really good defenders both on the wings and down low uh cody riley might and jules bernard or two other guys they lost that might hurt a little bit but like i said this starting five is up there with one of the best in the country uh mick cronin knows how to get the best out of his players knows how to get the best defense out of his players as well which is what ucla might lack the most on paper but uh, this is a very talented bruins team for sure and uh arizona they just lost too much
1: to really be able to compete with these Bruins, in my opinion yeah, I'm really worried about well, I shouldn't say worried because I don't care how bad they are. I don't like Arizona. But <laughs> for for their sake, I, I don't know what they're gonna look like. It's gonna be a lot of players having to step up and maybe play roles that they haven't really played before. Uh Tabellus mm-hmm. will be their their guy, I think. But anytime you have Kirk Reesa taking more than 10 shots a game, I don't think that's good for your team, to be quite honest with you. And they I don't have think court- so yeah, they have yeah, Corby Ramey, sure. which that's important, a veteran guard. Pella Larson, he's, he's solid, but I don't know if he's ready to take that step. Uh, Umar Balo, Peyton Gallagher's favorite player. Umar Balo. He'll, he'll be the starting center, finally getting a chance to really show what he can do. I think that- he could be
0: an absolute dominant force that this offense could run through if he takes that kind of step. I'm not sure if he will, but... He's got the potential to, and Azulas Tabellis right next to him, he really tapered off towards the end of the season. He had a really bad postseason, in fact. But early on, he was right there with Benedict Mathen and Christian Loco as the best players on this team. So we'll see. It was a tale of two halves for him. We'll see which side we get. But uh, I don't know how deep they are outside of this, top, outside of this starting five, Riley.
1: Oh, I'm – yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with you there. Another team I don't think is very deep is UCLA, like you talked about. I think they're the clear cut favorites to win this conference just because of that talent they have in their starting five, Campbell, Bailey, Jalen Clark is a guy who really came on towards the end of last year. Then Jaime Jaquez, who, if you like, if you like watching basketball in the sixties and seventies, watch him because he will use uh, his pivot feet. And then some, if you will, feels like he travels every time he gets the ball. And then uh, a damn Bona down low should be really solid. they, They don't have a ton of depth. Uh, Dylan Andrews coming in, freshman. Don't really know what he's going to bring into the table. Uh, they have David Singleton who got some minutes last year. And it's it'll be a kind of a learning curve for them, I think, in terms of they might have almost that Iron 5-ish feel to them for a while. Yeah. And I think they have the talent to be players that can succeed. But just right now, uh, I, I don't know if they uh, – if they have the depth necessarily and that's and that'll be an issue at the start of the year but maybe not one we see down the stretch in march
0: yeah for sure and uh but when it comes to march really only six or seven guys is what really gets you there we've seen that in the last couple of years we don't know if that's going to keep holding true but ucla has that formula uh arizona this is the real first test i feel like of tommy lloyd Because he had so much talent, hindsight 2020, but they had so much talent last year with Benny Matherin, uh, Christian Coloco, and Daylon Terry. They played so fast and just overwhelmed teams, really. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Tommy Lloyd does in his second year with a team that's lost probably its three best players. And elsewhere in the conference, I think Oregon, Dana Altman is always going to find a way. That's just the way he is. That's the way of a coach he is. And like you said, Will Richardson, he's a great guard. Uh, the leader of this team for sure. And and Folly Dante down low, I think that's going to be another big guy that they're going to be able to run through. But losing Eric Williams is going to hurt for sure. And everywhere else on the team is question marks. And after that, I mean, I'm not sure what we're going to see out of USC. I mean, Boogie Ellis is back, Drew Peterson is back, but Isaiah Mobley really led that team pretty much every single facet. So I don't know if they're going to be able to replace that kind of production. And outside of those four teams, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, you go look down at uh, Stanford. They got Harrison Ingram, who could play a big role to get Stanford into the tournament. We saw them kind of be on the bubble a little bit. but them right back off last year. Uh, Colorado, they lost a decent amount from last year, but they still have a, another decent amount of a group that beat the number two team in the country by double digits in February. So Colorado's got, got a team. Arizona State, you can't really forget about them. They brought in some transfers and Frankie Collins and Devin Cambridge. And also with Marcus Bagley healthy, we think. Uh, we're not totally sure what we're going to see from Arizona State. Probably the biggest question mark of this conference. But the Pac-12 is, of the, of the six uh, power conferences, likely the hardest to predict outside of UCLA in terms of how many tournament bids they're going to get. I'm very intrigued about what the Pac-12 is going to give us this year.
1: Well, you talked about Oregon a little bit. That's a team I think, I don't know if they'll win the conference, like we said. I think UCLA pretty much has that one locked up unless they uh, just really severely underperform. But I talked about Will Richardson coming back. They have Quincy Garrier, really good uh, top 10 freshman in Kalel Ware. They got Nefali Dante back down low. Uh, Nate Biddle, another high, highly touted freshman. Uh, he should be pretty solid. And so, I don't know, I think Oregon has a lot of tools on that team. Dana Altman kind of has a, a reputation of underperforming with some of the rosters he has, but also, like our good friend uh, John Rothstein says, he, he aligns Rubik's Cubes. And so, they're a team that, that could be dangerous in the Pac-12, and they, like I said, I don't know if we will necessarily win the conference, but definitely a team that can pick off some of those, those top teams. But then, yeah, like you said, outside of those players, and I should say Nate Biddle was a freshman last year. He'll be a sophomore this year. Outside of those teams, though, Arizona State, we hope, for, for our sakes, being students here, we hope they're good. Um, from everything I've heard about them, they should be they should be pretty solid. But it's, it's really, it's Arizona, UCLA, and Oregon. I think it's those three near the top, and then after that, it's it's a it's a whole hodgepodge of teams where you don't really quite know where they're going to fit in. Uh, I, I I'd like to say USC probably uh, that fourth team there, just with Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson. But you never know. Last year they uh, they were a little bit of a surprise, and so it'll be interesting to see how they play without. Um, what am I trying to say, Scott?
0: I don't know, Riley. What are you trying to say?
1: The big guy down low. Why I'm. It's late at night. I'm drawing a blank here. Um,
0: for Oregon. Mobley,
1: Mobley from USC. And so yeah, <laughs> I'm. It's twelve fifteen, you guys. We're staying 12, up. 15.
0: We're slapping the floors for you.
1: We are. But yeah, then mm-hmm. Stanford and Colorado, a couple of teams that seem very similar to me in terms of you don't you don't really know what you're going to get. And so this could be anywhere from a three- or four-bid league to a six- or seven-bid league. And it kind of awesome. just depends on, from that standpoint, how they play in the non-con. Because yeah. it's going to be a conference where, outside of those top two, three teams, you're not going to have a lot of chances to really bolster your, your resume. You know, Washington State should be okay. But then kind of the bottom half of that conference, Washington, Utah they're not going to be anything really that's going to help you and so it's going to be the non-cons very important for the Pac-12 and then I think the kind of the teams will separate themselves so Scott if you want to go ahead and give us your uh, your Pac-12 preseason uh both team and player
0: gladly Mr. O'Reilly uh my Pac-12 player of the year I am going to be basic and go with Jaime Hakes. I believe he's probably the most he's seen the most college basketball of anyone in the conference. He really took strides last year as UCLA's seconds player. I think now that Johnny Juzang has moved on, that Haquez will be given the keys as a senior leader, both on offense and defense. I didn't expect him he could even be having a lot of double doubles here and there. So Jaime Haquez for player of the year, and that goes hand in hand with conference champion. I just think there's too much uncertainty outside of the Bruins to really pick anyone else. So UCLA comes out on top of the Conference of Champions this round.
1: I'm with you on UCLA. Like you said, just too much talent. But in terms of player of the year, I think it's going to be Will Richardson. Uh, he's he's just really talented. And it's going to be a team in Oregon that relies on him a lot. And uh, I think UCLA has enough talent outside of Hawkeyes where they can go to other people to get a bucky when they need it. I think Richardson's just going to be that guy for Oregon like he was last year. I think he ultimately walks away with the player of the year. So that was our Pac-12 conference preview. So we're through five, Scott, and now we get to go down south into the conference that dominates football. They look to be like they're going to be pretty good in basketball, and that is, of course, the Southeastern Conference, the SEC. And the top end of this conference is really, really, really intriguing because you've got a team in Kentucky who was, of course, Picked off by St. Peter's last year, but they were a team a lot of people were picking to win it all. They returned the national player of the year. A couple of freshmen that should be really good. A couple of guys look like they could break out this year. And you got a team in Arkansas. They bring in a ton of freshmen, a ton of talent. It should be really fun to watch. Tennessee beat Gonzaga in uh, the preseason exhibition, which doesn't always mean a ton. But that one felt a little different. And then uh, Auburn, they lose. They lose Walker Kessler, of course, and they lose a lot of uh, what made them great. But at the same time, they were number one in the country for a long time last year. So, Scott, wherever you want to start, I'd probably say start at the top with Kentucky and move our way down. Uh, Let's talk about the SEC. Well,
0: that's what we're going to do, start at the top, and we're better to start with the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, They were my pick last year once the brackets came out to win the national championship. And I'm still rather mad that they lost in the first round. However, this is a very, very talented team. That brings it back a handful of talent from last year's team. Xavier Wheeler, one of the best guards in the country. Obviously, Oscar Sheewe, the national player of the year, who we're not sure about his health right now. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, you talked about Jacob Toppin. I am very high on him as well, as possibly one of the best defensive players in the country. He's a crazy athlete. But, um The loss of Ty Ty Washington and Kellen Grady, I feel like that might hurt a little more than people think, but Chris Livingston is one of the top freshmen in the country to ease that blow. And going back to Oscar Shebae, apparently he's hurt, which we just now figured out something wrong with his knee. I think it was, it was, and out for an unknown period of time. So a lots going to ride on that for sure. But if if he's healthy, this Kentucky team's going far. If he's not, I don't know.
1: It's going to depend a lot on that. Uh, the way Calipari is, uh, talking about it doesn't seem like that's severe but that might just be a head coach you know trying to divert some of the attention this kentucky team i'm really excited for uh severe wheeler running the point a proven guy that's able to do that and they bring in casein wallace and chris livingston like you mentioned a couple of freshmen a guy that i really really love uh jacob Toppin. There, there there ain't no stopping jacob Toppin, is what the people down in lexington like to say and then they get a guy back in cj frederick a uh, really good three-point shooter, transfer from Iowa, of course, had the knee injury last year, so he sat out. Then you got Lance Ware off the bench and Damian Collins, a couple of guys who played on that team last year. And this is a team that went into Allen Fieldhouse last year and beat the brakes off of Kentucky. I mean, excuse me, off of Kansas. Yeah. And so they return a decent amount of – this isn't this isn't your uh, your dad's Kentucky team, I should say. And what I mean by that is this isn't, I guess – 12-year-old Riley Swenson's Kentucky team. That was just all one and duns. That's not what this is. They got Wheeler, Toppin, and Chibwe, guys in there who, who are really proven. But the team that is a bunch of one and duns is Arkansas. Yep. They they bring in Anthony Black and Nick Smith in the backcourt. Nick Smith, uh, outside of the Duke recruits, the highest-rated recruit in the country. We have Jordan Walsh, who's also a freshman. They get the transfer of Trevon Brazil from Missouri. They get the Mitchell brothers, both from Rhode Island. Uh, they have Ricky Council coming in from Wichita State. Uh, our beloved Jalen Graham from ASU. They, they're they're both talented and deep. And uh, they still have Devo Davis there from last year. They lost a lot. They lost Tony. They lost Likes. They lost Note, Stanley Amude, and of course Note is kind of the big one along with uh, Jalen Williams. But they get they bring in a ton of talent and they, they got they got the must bust rolling.
0: Almost all of their impact players from last year are gone. And my traditional trend for as long as I've been following college basketball is I don't trust a team that's going that's supposed to be led by freshmen, especially in the power five, especially in the SEC. Arkansas, I need to see play before I can really have a ruling on them. I know I've I've heard about Nick Smith, I've heard about Anthony Black, I've heard about Jordan Walsh but it's just like this is all freshmen. I don't know what we don't know what to expect. Can these kids translate their game to the, to the big level? And I've seen their high school tapes. They look phenomenal, these guys. And Eric Musselman is one of the rising stars in the coaching game. He's got back-to-back Final Four appearances under his, excuse me, Elite Eight appearances under his belt. And the Razorbacks are an up-and-coming power here in college basketball, but it's the contrary to Kentucky. This is the one-and-done team. There is not much experience here, and I don't trust that, personally. As I, I never have, no matter who the coach is, no matter who the program is. I, I don't trust teams that are full of freshmen like this.
1: That's fair. That's fair. We talked about it earlier on the show. Uh, it's not always the greatest formula for success, especially uh, down towards the end of the season. But maybe, just maybe, they got enough pieces in the transfer portal to kind of guide those freshmen. A team that, another team with experience, kind of like Kentucky, is uh, Tennessee. Like we mentioned, they beat Gonzaga in the exhibition. They return uh, Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan-James, and Sakai Ziegler. Those are kind of their three big guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they lost Kennedy Chandler. They lost John Fulkerson. Those are a couple of guys that played a lot of minutes for them last year. This is a team that a lot of people are really high on in the preseason.
0: I'm still not sure what to think. I think Kennedy Chandler was such a very important part of what they did last year and how they ran their team and lost in the second round. But to be, it it was a Michigan team that was good. They hadn't really shown it yet and had some players play a little above expectations, but Santiago Vescovi is one of the better two guards in the country. Great three and D player. Uh, Josiah Jordan James has the potential, I think to be the best player on a final four team. as a Kai Ziegler he really showed off a lot a lot of ability last year but I talked about Kennedy Chandler John Fulkerson that's going to be a loss down low for sure with the kind of offensive output he would have night in night out and just how he would run the floor he really he ran the floor like a deer but Rick Barnes has not been able to coach in March for a long time now and I'm not 100% sure what this Tennessee team is going to be in the clutch so it's last year they were the epitome of a regular season team. If um, the conference tournament counts as regular season, I guess, in that sense of the word, but the volunteers, uh, it's another wait and see project because I just think how Kennedy Chandler was so, so important to that team last year that, and I don't know if Tyreek
1: key is going to be able to replace that right away. And it's, not to be without mentioning, uh, they also have five-star Julian Phillips projected to be in the, that starting lineup. That's very important. Uh, he kind of could be in a league where a lot of those freshmen kind of shine. Uh, he could be that freshman to kind of match up with them. But yeah, Tennessee, they, uh, they're an interesting team, like you had said, because it seems like it happens a lot where people are pretty high on them and they kind of fade out towards the end of the year. Um, you know, they lost in the second round of the tournament last year. In what was an upset uh, to Michigan, uh, a team that I personally love is uh, is Alabama. Uh, they 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 lost a little bit. Uh, they lost Keon Ellis, J.D. Davison, Jawan Gary, but they, they bring in my opinion might be the most exciting player to watch in uh, in the conference, and that's Brandon Miller, uh, six foot nine ish uh, wing. Power forward, small forward type of guy that can kind of do it all, and they they they're going to be a fun team to watch. They still have Charles Bediaco down low, um, Javon Quinterly, of course, injured last year in March Madness towards the uh, in their loss to Notre Dame, and uh, that's that's going to hurt for a while towards the start of the season. But if they got enough guys uh, to to make that that uh that ship go for a little bit. And I think Brandon Miller could be that guy to really stand out. Nate Oats is a really good coach. And I don't think he's just gonna let his team uh falter that much without without Quinterly. I don't know about you, Scott.
0: Nate Oates does have a good squad and he's a very, very good coach. But last year the album was the epitome of Jekyll and Hyde. You never know what you were going to get out of him every day. And J.D. Davis and Javon Quinterly were a big reason for that. Now both of them are not on the team to start the season. And Charles Bediaco has the potential to be a very, very good center, especially in the SEC with the kind of physicality he can play with. And with Brandon Miller, one of a five-star going in now in the lower forwards, it's going to be a flip of the switch from a team that chucked 23s a game to a team that might chuck two threes a game. It's just the Crimson Tide are – It's a flip of the switch from last year, and I'm not sure how quick that's going to be able to work or if it's going to be able to work. And like I've said, I thought Nate Oates was one of the best coaches in the country until last year when he was supposed to have one of the better teams in the country, and they were probably the most inconsistent team in the country. So Alabama is another question mark and a team that i got to see play before I'm going to make a judgment, if I'm being honest. But staying in the state, um, Auburn's another team that I also have – skepticism on it's another flip of the switch last year jabari smith and walker kessler gone two first round picks but wendell green katie katie johnson alan alan flanagan and zepp jasper are still there in the backcourt and it's probably one of the better backcourts in the country because we know we all we know how good wendell green and katie johnson were at points last year they really, when Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler were having trouble scoring the ball, which wasn't very often, they were the ones that were there to step up. And those are two dogs out there. Those are two guys you hate defending you. Those are two guys that are never going to give up on a game. And Johan Traore down low, that, I mean, you can't really replace Walker Kessler, but that's, that's, that's pretty decent. I mean, like I said, you can't replace Walker Kessler, but that's a pretty decent job. And Bruce Pearl, nope. No, I feel like no players love their coach as much as Auburn players love Bruce Pearl. That guy just has a lot of fire, really loves his dudes. And he gets the, he gets the best out of them. And this Auburn team last year was their chance and they missed it. So are they still a tournament team? Yes, absolutely. But they don't have that one kind of guy that's going to be there to take over a game and really put a team on the back. Like Bruce Brown did like Jabari Smith did. So Auburn's like, it's a team of role players. We'll see how that fits.
1: Well, last year on the show, we kind of talked about how sometimes it seemed like the guards for Auburn just couldn't get out of Jabari Smith's way. And it was Katie Johnson and Wendell Green just chucking up shots. Well, that might work this year because they don't have Jabari Smith. And they get uh, the transfer Johnny Broom down low from uh, Moorhead State. who was uh, outstanding for them in the Ohio Valley Conference last year. So another good transfer piece there. But, yeah, no, Auburn, uh, they they definitely probably lost the most pure talent in uh, in the conference in those two guys. And it'll be fun to see how they bounce back. Uh, another team that is going to be interesting, I think, is Florida in terms of Colin Castleton's really good. Yes, but is. it's very hard for a big guy when you don't have that many great guards around you just to run a team. In Florida – they got some some uh, unproven guards. They get Kyle Lofton from St. Bonaventure, but playing in the A10 and playing the SEC is a little different. And he's he's a good he's a solid player, but they're gonna need him to step up big time. I think Colin yeah. Castle, no no doubt. But they also get Alex Fudge from LSU. That's important up front. But like I said, it's just a lot of uh, a lot of unproven.
0: Yeah. That was, I mean, excuse me. Florida is a kind of team with Colin Castleton, like you said, he is an All-American type talent for sure. And Todd Golden, the job he did at San Francisco, is up there with some of the best coaching jobs in the country last year. He is a phenomenal coach who gets the, who really elevates his players in their games. But other than Colin Castleton, we don't know what we're getting from Florida. And you can't win with just one player in this sport, Riley. And no matter how good they are. You always got to get them some help. And Florida is a bubble team, it seems like, on paper. And they're going to need someone to step up. Who that? Who's that going to be? We don't know. But someone's got to do it because a great coach and one great player it can only get you so far.
1: Absolutely. Uh, looking at the rest of the conference, uh, Texas A&M, they should be pretty decent, it looks like. They play,
0: they're a very good defensive team. And they they made a heck of a run last year. The SEC championship game they should have been in the field, if you ask me. I think that's going to light a fire under them a little bit. I would expect the Aggies to get off to a quick start with how well they play defense, but they might hit that kind of brick wall come conference season. Well, they're 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 an interesting team in this conference to keep an eye on because they're not in that upper echelon of teams that are for sure going to the tournament, but they're also not like Vanderbilt or Ole Miss or Missouri. So.
1: Yeah, and the rest of the conference. I mean, LSU, Mississippi State, Missouri, Ole Miss, Georgia, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina is probably picked to finish almost last in that conference, which is uh, ironic because Gigi Jackson will be there now, and he goes from committing to the number one team in the country to now reclassifying, going to maybe the worst team in the SEC. So jokes on him. Okay. But anything else that you want to you want to touch on in that conference, Scott? Or do you think we're good on the SEC?
0: Uh, I think that's all we can do on the SEC aside from the player of the conference, which is going to be Oscar Shibwe. I would be absolutely stunned if it is anybody else and uh conference champion. I, I like, I like going with experience. I like going with the team that has the best player and Kentucky fits both of those criteria. So big blue nation will come away with an SEC title for me.
1: Yeah, for me, it's also Oscar Chibwe, like you said. You can't really pick against the defending national player of the year. Uh, in terms of teams, I think it's it's going to be uh, closer than people think in terms of whether Kentucky's going to win or not, but I think Kentucky I have them on my final four. The The Chibwe injury could hurt them at the start of the year, but I think by conference play, he's back in and ready to go. So, yeah, I'm the exact same with you there. I got Chibwe and Kentucky taking it home. That's our SEC conference preview, and uh, that's actually the last of the Power Six conferences. But we'll just briefly here now touch on a couple of mid-major teams, which aren't mid-major teams really. Uh, we talked about them at the start of the show, and we'll start with Gonzaga. To me, like I said before, they they lose Nemhard and Chet Holmgren; those are the big ones. But they have experience in Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas. Sear Bolton, Julian Strother, those are their guards. Very solid players, all of them. Anton Watson and Drew Timmy, down low. Some more experience there. Then they get transfers in Efton Reed in. And Malachi Smith, some more experienced guys. And then they have a freshman in Braden Huff, who was a four-star. Should be pretty decent for them. Uh, This Gonzaga team seems like they have everything to me. And I know the thing is, people will say, well, they're not as good as they were in 2021. They're not as good as they were last year. And I remember at the start of last year, I said, you know, this Gonzaga team is going to be better than the one the year before that went undefeated and lost to Baylor. And I'm not going to go out there and say, this team is going to be better than them, because I don't think from a talent perspective, they're going to be better than them.
0: Mm.
1: But the, the bright side for them is they don't have to play 21 Baylor, and they don't have to play 22 Gonzaga to win the national championship. They don't have to be something that they're not. And what I think they are is a team with an experienced backcourt, freshman guards ready to make the leap, being sophomore guards now shooting and receiver Bolton and Julian Strather, uh, guys who can just make plays. And if, if it's not Drew Timmy, who's my preseason player of the year, they have enough guys outside of him. And the one place they're going to struggle with is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. And we've seen that kind of with Gonzaga teams. Last year they had Chet Holmgren down low, which really helped. And so that will be the big question mark. Because Drew Timmy isn't really a guy you can just put down on the paint and say, you know, go, go affect shots night in, night out. It's not really his game. But I think if they can just play as more of a team defense on the offensive side, they're going to have plenty enough to make up for it.
0: Yeah, I see your point. It's a tough team to pick holes at, but I mean, you hit it yourself. This team is not better than twenty twenty two, and it is not better than twenty twenty one, and they didn't win a national championship in either of those years. One of those years, they didn't even get to a final four. So, I have a lot of question marks about Gonzaga. I've been very critical of Mark Few over this off season, and I mean, I am a big fan of Julian Strother specifically. Drew Timmy is Drew Timmy. I don't know how great. He, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to find on the defensive side of the floor, which they're going to need without Chet Holmgren. But uh, I really liked the Malachi Smith pickup. He was the best player on the Chattanooga team last year that should have knocked off Illinois. But is it's a deep team. And Nolan Hickman, a very good guard. receiver Bolton looking for a bounce bounce back year. And they Mark Few, I want to think he's a good coach, but nothing's, last year certainly did not show me that at all. I'm I'm still with a very sour taste in my mouth from how a team went from having Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy in the same front court to not even playing in the Elite Eight. So I'm not sold on Gonzaga until I see them beat a beat like a top tier team, and it's it's a wait and see for me with the Zags as well. And I think they 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 do stack their non-con really well, but once they get into the conference schedule, it's where things start. I mean, they start, I don't want to say they get lazy, but maybe they underestimate their opponents a little bit. They don't give it everything they got. So, I'm, and like you said, Andrew Nemhardt is a tough loss for sure. That's their, that's their floor general. And I don't know if Nolan Hickman's ready to take that kind of leap. So the Zags are a wait and see team for me for sure.
1: Well, and the tough part is it's not just maybe, you know, losing focus in that conference, but it's just really tough to go in, even if they don't lose a game in conference play, it's really tough to go in playing. From January until March, the best team you see is probably St. Mary's and BYU, and it's really hard to play those teams for two, three months, and then expect to go out in March and play the Power Five teams and be really successful. That's kind of the challenge they're always going to face, and I know they're trying to get into a bigger conference right now. There's been talks of it. I think that would be great for college basketball, and Bob Huggins was quoted with saying he'd love to see Gonzaga in the Big 12 because um, he said... You know, now they can finally get to see what we go through night in, night out, and it'd be interesting. But luckily for them, they don't have to do that, and so it kind of helps them. I predict them. I expect fully expect them to be either a one or a two seed. And another team that's a mid major that I fully expect to be a one or two seed is Houston, and I think it'd be really cool. um, We we could see a Final Four with uh, with Houston and Gonzaga meeting up for the national championship, and.
0: Would be something else. Two teams that are not in major conferences, and unlike Gonzaga, I am very, very high on Houston. I've talked about how much I like Kelvin Sampson as a coach. I feel like he's one of the best in the country. Marcus Sasser being healthy is massive. Trayvon Mark as well. I am so high on Houston, and if there were to be a bracket, I, no matter no matter who, I said it earlier, they would be my. That I believe they have the potential to be the best team in this country and i feel like that's for good reason. Jamal Shed as well. I almost forgot about him. This this team is great, man. I uh, I don't see any really hole that you can poke at. The, the American is not like the WCC where it's Gonzaga, maybe one other tournament team and then everybody else. The Americans also got Memphis who's got who's always got a decent squad. SMU's never really a pushover. Cincinnati's still kind of somewhat respectable. So, it's 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 obviously mid-major conference, but i think it's more competitive than the WCC. Houston plays some pretty good non-con games, and they keep themselves prepared. And they've also proven they can beat actual teams in March Madness. We saw them take out Arizona last year without their best player. So uh, I am I am higher on Houston than I am on Gonzaga.
1: Yeah, and I would say I'm probably about equally as high. Um, you said it's tough to find a hold of poke in the one I would say just by looking at them is kind of like I talked about, Villanova is going to be size and just uh, impactful bigs. They have Reggie Chaney, uh, who's projected to be their starting center. And Jairus Walker is is a forward, and he's got some size to him. But like we've been saying, it's the year of the big man. You know, you got Jackson Davis, Baycott, um, Dickinson, and and Sheboy, really. Those are the ones that kind of uh, strike the eye can correct me if I'm missing someone there, but those are, those are the guys. And I mean, well, Derek Lively at Duke too. He's a, he's a really good center as well. And so just looking at the top teams that have top guys, that's, that's kind of the one, the one issue there I would have. And of course, Drew Timmy. Hmm. Um, How could I forget my preseason national player of the year, but that would be just the one spot I could see them struggling with. The good thing is it seems like Houston never really has a really great big guy. And they always seem to be all right, and they're always really dominant on the defensive end. They're always really well coached by Kelvin Sampson, and they they're going to be up there with uh, some of the best backcourts in the country. And I'd like to take a look now at their um, non cons. I don't really know, like you said, the American it it is different than the WCC, and that's a great point to make because they're not going to be playing, you know, they're not going to be playing San Diego and Pacific night in night out. They're going to be playing solid teams but I'd like I know Gonzaga always stacks their non-con and uh, Houston plays Oregon so that'll be a good test for them they go to Oregon it's a true road game so that'll be a good one they play St. Mary's they play Alabama and Virginia those are kind of their headliners for the non-con so we'll get to find out about that it's good exactly those are those are good squads so we'll get to find out about Houston pretty early on in the season kind of what they're made of and uh, but yeah, that's that's our uh, our season preview. I know there's probably some teams we didn't get to in the mid majors, like San Diego State or uh, UAB with Jelly Walker. But we'd be here all night if we tried to touch on every team, Scott. So yeah, uh, any uh, any final thoughts before we before we uh, get out of here?
0: After I get my seven hours of sleep, I'll be slapping the floors. For the next five six months, and I'm not sleeping until May. I don't know. That's right. That's
1: right, Scott. We're not sleeping until May. Uh, thank you for listening. If you made it the whole show, or if you just tuned in for the conference of your choice, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, college basketball is back, Scott, tomorrow night. And like you said, we'll we'll, we'll sleep in May. We, we'll still have obviously all of our college football coverage, but Heat Check is uh, is really back now with uh, college basketball so for scott Sanduli and riley swenson thank you for uh tuning in and we'll see you next time blaze radio
0: presents <laughs>
1: Everybody gotta know that we next yeah. Doesn't matter if it's Sunday or Monday, you know that we flex. Girl. You can never make it more obvious. You checking for the heat? That's cold. That's cold, That's <laughs> cold. Cut it to the top of the top of this, you can never reach uh, these heights. Up in the booth and we in the truth. Aye. We inspire the youth and we get to the loop. You do what it does and we do what it do. We turn to the max and they got you on mute. You. Ooh, flow so high, so you know Aye. I had run running back blazers, the ball, and we running Aye. like a running back. Gabe brought shots, so you know we having fun with that. Turn you in the ops, so you know it ain't no coming back. Now we done with that.